0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost and Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man whose bitchin' mustache is just too cool for school.
1: <laughs> I must always wear a scarf over my mustache for the animal magnetism of the mustache is Right, too people great. just can't handle it. People yeah, cannot no, for be handled. Every man would want to be me. Every woman would want to be with me many men would want to be with me some women would want to be me and yeah
0: no i mean everybody would both want to be you and be with you it would be i mean instant orgy is what we're saying here Absolutely. the orgone energy would just be off the fucking scale
1: ah <laughs> uh, yes we do need to add orgone energy into the uh the the mythos of this show
0: <laughs> yeah no it's just it's too much it, it it's it's overpowered a full section of my brain i don't <laughs> ever stop thinking about it
1: <laughs> pat pat normally we only make reference to the last movie we watched if we're actually recording on the same day that we're yeah no it. but this so, one's this one's permanent so now. A, testament, a, a testament thing now. to it's... to how uh, how influential william wilhelm reich's ideas are as filtered yeah. through sweet movie and wr mysteries of the Un- organism oh yeah is that sure. uh, that Pat's still thinking about Oregon Energy I, three weeks on. I can't stop.
0: On. I literally can't stop. It's, <laughs> it's kind of painful. I'll, like, sit at my desk. I'll be, like, working, and I'll just think about it. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. It'll stop my work. Like, I'll be literally in the middle of, like,
1: typing something up, and I'll just like, stop. Maybe you need to build an Oregon collector and do all I your mean, work inside. I'm
0: considering, like, well, I mean, you know, I guess I could.
1: I hmm. I I suppose it depends on what metal you use, but it seems to me that uh, orgon orgon collectors are probably not Wi-Fi compatible.
0: No, well, okay, well that depends. That would depend, right? Because um, they're not Faraday cages. They're not. They are right. solid metal, right. so they're not going to generate the interference pattern uh, in the wave the way that um yeah, that's fair. A, a mesh would. So actually, I I mean it would probably make your Wi Fi signal suck. Yeah. But not it wouldn't actually like kill it, I think. Hmm. Well unless it's like lead. I, mean, I guess you could just build your box out of fucking lead.
1: Goodness. If work on collections were made out of lead, <laughs> I fully stand with the FDA shutting that down. before we get into the movie this week i do want to talk about our patreon patreon.com slash lost in criterion if you want to uh support us keep us going we'll probably still do this i mean we're we're in I this mean, we did it for a long time right? before anybody <laughs> gave us any money right and we're in this deep already it's not like we're gonna yeah, quit no. now
0: i mean we are we are so, so we're like at least waist deep in lost yeah. uh sunk cost fallacy well, at this point
1: let's see if uh if if our bodies represent the entire Criterion Collection. We're like our ankles. We're well, we're we're about a third of the way into what is actually released. Maybe even a little over a third of the way into what's been released so far. So uh mm. so yeah, that's that's not a little above me the feel knees better. <laughs> We're <laughs> a little like, above the knees. We're a third the of
0: the way and it's been six years of our fucking lives. <laughs> seven, ah! seven. Seven. I don't know anymore. <laughs> Anyway. I have I have a child, who was born, walks around, talks, makes fun of me on a regular basis, who was not alive when we started this.
1: Indeed, indeed you do.
0: He's like dad. Why do you hang out in here with your headphones on all the time at night? Because like, I have I have a thing to do. And he's like, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> he's probably right. Yeah, he's not wrong. I mean, I've I've taught him well. His judgment is accurate.
1: Uh, anyway, patreon.com slash lost in Criterion if you want to keep us going so that Pat's children can continue to mock him. Can for you this. Judge me. <laughs>
0: Find uh, me wanting. Yeah.
1: For a dollar a month over there, you get access to a bonus episode. is a non Criterion collection film uh, with one exception because there was one movie we did that was not in the Criterion it's collection and then later was in the clear, Criterion that, collection. That is not going to be a one off. Yeah, thing. yeah, it that's it almost certainly happen will again. happen again. Uh, for instance uh the the most uh recent episode uh as of this recording uh is not a movie that's in the Criterion collection and from a director who has nothing in the Criterion collection, but it is on the Criterion channel. uh criterionchannel.com. Oh, right, yeah. So uh so I think there's probably a good chance that they're uh you know at least
0: and I I feel like yeah yeah I feel like the Criterion it. Channel at this point is to a certain extent an aspirational list for the Criterion collection. <laughs> Sometimes it feels Where they're, way, like they're yeah. like putting movies on there like well, see if we put it on here people are going to watch it and let's be honest people aren't watching your movie anymore cuz it's old. So maybe you should just let us make a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm going to turn this into a mumble cast. Please I'm don't. To... The other
1: thing you can do at patreon.com slash lost in Criterion, for that dollar a month is get access to all those old episodes and vote on what we're going to watch next month. Always next month. Into the future. <laughs> Whenever. We'll yeah, sometime. <clears throat> There's always another month. There's always another month. Uh, the, uh, the fifth option on all of those polls is always uh, Kazam. 1996. uh, Masterpiece. Masterpiece of a film starring Shaquille O'Neal as a genie, which is uh, at least currently on Disney Plus if you want to watch Kazam easily, uh, but also uh, pretty much at least once a weekend is on some over the air channel in the United States that you could probably pick up by just plugging your television. I'm almost certain it was true at least until Disney Plus launched. I can't, I can't oh, yeah, speak to how true it point, is now.
0: Yeah. The funny thing about it is, is, is Kazam's on there as a joke to a certain extent. Yeah. But we've watched so many movies that are so much worse than Kazam. Oh, yeah, yeah. At this point in our career. Absolutely. That, like, it's one of those jokes that's not even
1: really a joke. Like, yeah, okay, fine, I'll watch Kazam, whatever. I would rather watch Kazam than some of the other movies we watched over there, yes. For a little extra... Above that $1 a month, uh, for $5 and above it a month, uh, we'd like to thank those people on air. So thank you to Christopher Otto for your recent uh, $5 subscription and to Adams Pickerman, who has been at $5 for a good long time now and we greatly yes, appreciate it. thank you so much. Uh, a little above that, we do something that I think is really special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently, and I get that printed up on a postcard. Write a little thank you note and mail that off. Uh, We like to thank those $10 and above supporters uh, for that as well. Uh, So, thank you to Jason Westaver and to Michael McGrath for your continued support at that level. I hope you've been enjoying those postcards and putting them in a little scrapbook and treasuring them forever. So, yeah, patreon.com slash lost in criterion if you want to support us over there. And we're very happy to have you. This week, Pat, Mm -hmm. we have finally escaped. We have finally escaped the orgone energy cloud
0: have we though cuz i'm going to say this i feel like there's some real fucked up orgone energy in this movie
1: there's some orgone energy stuff going on here that's for sure if people if if really any two of our main characters here spent some time in an orgone collector a lot of the conflict would probably uh probably evaporate
0: oh yeah for sure and and you know i'm just sort of thinking basically the room that they're in they're like their smoke-out joint.
1: Oh, it's kind of a large organ. It's kind of yeah. a large
0: organ. I just think it's poorly constructed, so it's, that's why it's not helping. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't have it. the
1: appropriate layering of organic and, uh, and metals. But really, any, any room is a large organ collector, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah,
0: right? Like, I'm in one right now. Yeah.
1: As long as you've got so a chair I, I inside that that and there's metal in the walls, it's an organ collector. Yeah,
0: that's the thing I've been thinking about is that, like, you know, most buildings that I interact with are not steel-framed. But I do interact with some. And
1: I keep thinking to myself, am I in an Oregon collector <laughs> right now? I mean that's a that's a better track to go on than m and I and a radiation microwave collector and true, true, just getting yeah. cancer am I from some being sort of... in a building. Anyway, enough about Oregon, enough about microwaves <laughs> in your brain. This week yep. we we're talking about if stylized with an ellipsis. Possibly more
0: impossible to find anywhere because of its goddamn name
1: yeah it actually has uh has four periods in the title
0: (laughs) that makes it worse yeah like yeah just try searching for it like it's just oh god it's hard considering every uh, amazon or whatever it's
1: every uh online uh you know google and and all your search engines just edit out punctuation (laughs) yeah uh yeah it's very hard to find
0: and then and then they and then they all assume you want to say something after, you know, the word if. Right. So they're just like auto like if you know, and then they just come up with some some yeah. random ass bullshit. If
1: movie then <laughs> Ah. This is uh it's a 1968 film. It is directed by Lindsay Anderson. Uh it is the film debut of Malcolm McDowell. We get a young Malcolm McDowell. Uh, How old is he in this? I don't know. Early twenties, I think. Okay. Most of the most of the older boys are played Very by nineteen, twenty year olds uh, playing sixteen, seventeen year olds. Whereas the younger the boys, the younger boys actually are played by age appropriate actors, which makes the the age difference uh, much really more prominently. Sterling. Yeah, I would like to but. point out that they don't pull it off completely.
0: Because yeah. a couple of the older kids in there, I'm like, that dude's 25 years old. <laughs> right, 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 right. Like that that dude has kids. Yeah. Like, and, I, and it's really overwhelming. Like sometimes I'm just like, no, I can't accept this because this is upsetting. Like, he, like, like uh, the one who's like the the head whip or whatever. I don't I don't fucking remember any of the terminology. They used, yeah. Okay, you just need to deal with that. I'm gonna just start saying random fake Britishisms. <laughs> like, oh, the lead whipple. And, like, because, God, I could not keep track of any of that. Or who is who, because they're all British white people. Yeah. Um, Which is a a blind spot I have for some reason. Um,
1: Once the mustache is gone, it's impossible to tell. Yeah, no, I can't tell
0: who anyone is. Um, Actually, Malcolm McDowell is the only one I can tell who he is, just because his face is like. (laughs) His face is Malcolm McDowell's face. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I know who that is. Um, But, um, no, it's just. There's that that head boy or whatever the 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 lead guy the like top of the the heap. Seriously, dude, dude was in like World War Two or some shit. Like he's forty five years old. Yeah, so at least that's what he
1: looks like. He just it looks so age inappropriate. It's almost it's pretty upsetting actually. Right, right. Some of the some of the other whips or uh, some of the whips period actually looked like uh, looked like they might be professors at the school.
0: Yeah, yeah no, I was very confused. I honestly thought a majority of them were professors yeah. until I found out 20 30 minutes into the movie yeah. that no those are students. So the thing to, the thing to keep abusive. in mind
1: while watching this movie then is anyone who is exercising authority is a child. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> Which is fucked up. I'm glad that it's just it's you know it's just really Lord of the Flies but in a school.
1: Yeah. Lord of the Flies, but with, but commentary on Lord of the Flies in that this uh, this still happens despite there being adults everywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, 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 for real. Yeah, no, absolutely, yes, it is, it is, it is putting the lie to the fact that Lord of the Flies imagines that this would only happen if you left children alone, right? Or alternatively, that society doesn't on purpose create this.
1: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is, uh, interestingly, this is part of a loose trilogy of uh, of films by uh, Anderson. Trilogy. A very loose trilogy. <laughs> oh, Lucky Man and Britannia Hospital uh, both feature Malcolm McDowell playing a character also named Mick Travis, who, as I understand it, in both films is also a bit of a revolutionary uh, downtrodden character. Uh, but uh, but is not the same. I hope person. those were in
0: air quotes.
1: Yeah, but, um, yeah, is not the same same person at all. Here, uh, this is uh, also one of two Anderson films we'll be watching, uh, and the next one's not that far away, uh, three or four months. But at number four seventeen, we'll be watching Anderson's "The Sporting Life," uh, which lent its name to a uh, Decemberist song. Yeah, I was going to say,
0: I was about to start singing. I'm yeah. sure we will sing when the time comes. I'm sure. I'm sure. It's uh, going to be... We basically can't control
1: ourselves. <laughs> Not when it comes to the Decemberists. They just no, bubble No, we up can't.
0: And <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a rough episode. You probably just don't want to listen, frankly. Just skip it. <laughs> I wouldn't.
1: Oh, man. Pat, we won't remember this when the time comes, but let's try uh just as a as a secret little Easter egg to work as many Decemberist song titles into that episode while we talk i mean as we can.
0: i think it's gonna happen organically if i'm being honest
1: or uh, but we could always have the Wikipedia page open just to help us there we go. if you want yeah, that'll work that'll work uh <clears throat> interesting fact about this movie the cinematographer is uh Miroslav uh Andrasik. Uh we have seen some of his work I was before. I say
0: that that's a very familiar name.
1: That is a uh, name uh he came up. Um I think uh at least we I don't know if we talked about him on air, but uh Milos Forman's Loves of a Blonde and The Fireman's oh, Ball. Oh,
0: Fireman's Ball. Yeah, okay. Yeah
1: are, yeah. are uh films that he shot. Uh it is Ondrisek who on the day they were shooting the first uh uh, chapel scene, six said, You know, it's going to take way too long to light this to shoot in color. We should just do it in black and white. And Anderson was like, Okay, yeah. And then Anderson was like, No, I like this. I'm going to randomly decide moving forward what scenes we're going to shoot in black and white.
0: Uh, so here's the thing, though. Yeah. I think they may be random, and I understand that it is it is random. Yeah. But I don't feel like it's actually random. Partially because there's no such thing as random. Well, what do you think the black uh, and
1: white represents then?
0: No, okay. And I understand that this is a topic of deep debate of people who have watched this movie, okay? Yeah. But my take on it was that in in some way, because of the kinds of scenes that show up in black and white from time to time, they tend to be more idealized and more sort of... um, Sort of halcyon, in okay. a lot of ways, more more inclined to be fantastical.
1: So there are ones that are obviously fantastical, like the uh, right. like the cafe the scene, the cafe scene.
0: Yeah, I, I mean that's the one that, that is truly fantastical. Yeah. But but they're... when I talk about ones that are somewhat like driven by sort of a a, a sense of portraying this life as nostalgic and positive yeah. rather than like that initial in chapel scene. The initial travel scene, the boys, the younger boys, yeah, like genuinely just enjoying each other's company, while they're waiting to, while they're sort of at the beck and call of the other kids. You know what I mean? Like they're they're not they're not they're not succumbed to completely to the sort of sort of cruelty and nastiness that is the older kids towards each other. Yeah, because the older kids never have a moment. The as a as a whole group, the older boys never have a moment of true just being with each other. Right. In a in the way that you can just all be in a room, just around each other and enjoying each other's company without constantly trying to have a dick measuring contest. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Whereas the younger boys are able to do that still. We see them do it. They're just all together yeah. and they're just being boys. Like you know not boys in the sort of boys being boys way but in the sense of they're just being kids I think just hanging out yeah. and enjoy each other's company
1: I think if we went back uh, with that idea in mind and watched this a second time uh, it may not pan out
0: I know I don't think it would uh, but I, it's but, sort of what started to stick in my head
1: but also I'm not sure if uh, you know I can't really speak to it because I I saw so, uh, weird thing for me obviously if you've ever listened to the show before I kind of just accepted the black and white thing was random and did not try to overanalyze it at all. So I didn't even think I, about I, it in most scenes. Well, because I I assume I don't I don't read the Wikipedia page yeah. before we do this. Yeah. Before
0: I don't actually usually read it until we record. Um, oh yeah, I get because you. I, I yeah, if I had I, gone I, I into like that, that without generates. without having read that yeah. beforehand, I, I knew that there was controversy around the black and white. Not yeah. Controversy, but you know, like discussion, discussion about yeah. it, but. That didn't I didn't like read what it was. And and I I paid pretty close attention to when the black and white scenes appeared. Yeah. Uh I could probably name most
1: of them. Um, and, what's um, the gymnastics scene in black and white? The gymnastics scene
0: was ooh, no, I don't believe so.
1: I think that was color, yeah.
0: Uh but the scene where they're having their sword fight before they run outside, where inside their sword fight is very I don't know, has it, and maybe it's the black and white doing it in reverse, it could be like the other way around, you know what I mean? Yeah. The black and white scene when they're inside feels like boys being, just hanging out with each other and having yeah. fun, they're having this fake sword fight, but then they go outside and it gets more violent and aggressive and, yeah. and and less just having fun together and more back to sort of this nightmare world that they've built for them, you know, that people have built for them and they've built for themselves, whereas when they're in the gym having their sword fight, it just seems like like people having fun together um other times when there's uh black and white uh the one new teacher is sort of taken to his room yes uh by the by the house uh, the house lady i don't know what her role is exactly but that one's the probably the least one that fits into my my pattern right uh but even then it has this sort of stillness of movement that does not match the sort of rest of the tone of the film it's right. very calm. It's very just paced, uh, whereas a lot of the film is fairly is fairly frantic. Right. Uh, not like super su- much, but like is not it's not calm. This is not a calm film. <laughs> no. um, other black and white times, I, it's hard to tell sometimes because when things are really dark I, and the colors don't work. I think some of the ce- the scene where they get where they open the cabinet underneath the, in the basement and and not when they find the guns. But when they find... Actually, I think the guns are in black and white, too. But when they find the weird biology stuff... Yeah. Feels kind of not real. Yeah. Because there's definitely elements of fantasy mixed into this movie. Right. And that's, I don't think the... The cafe is not the only one.
1: And the stuff they're pulling out of there is such a random assortment of things that, on the one hand, uh, it would be an easily embellished fact if someone were telling this story. Uh Exactly. But but also, it maybe is kind of believable that a century-old British boarding school... uh, Would have an old biology... cat. Yeah, no, for sure. Just has that stuff in there. I mean, our
0: our high school had some of that stuff.
1: A preserved fetus, a stuffed alligator.
0: (laughs) I mean, the stuffed alligator is a bit extreme, but yeah,
1: yeah, no... Um, No, the fact that they just throw the stuffed alligator onto a fire is a bit extreme.
0: Well, I'm wondering if it, it, it's so they're carrying it so easily.
1: I don't think it's a real stuffed alligator. No, no, it's but also it doesn't seem to be, it. It almost certainly is not a wood carving.
0: No, I think it must be like a like paper mache model or something. Maybe used for like a school performance or something. I don't know. Hard to say. We'll never know. But um, you know, and then this movie does have weird elements of fantasy just sprinkled in. Uh, I mean obviously the the one that stands out is the cafe scene like yeah. that's just the most extreme, but I mean the other alternative for the most extreme would be possibly the entire ending of the film because it the way it reads is somewhat farcical uh which lends it the idea that it's a fantasy, yeah yeah, so um <laughs> but like. You and I have known people in our lives who have have fantasized and talked about fantasizing about those kinds of things. Yeah. Never to the point where I thought they were actually going to do anything. Yeah. But that was a part of their personality was these sort of elaborate, like, scenarios, like, built scenarios about this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it feels like that. It kind of, like... Feels like a a guy a kid who is having d- trouble dealing with stress and has built a fantasy about what he could you know yeah. air quotes could do yeah
1: I could burn this place
0: yeah well, uh-huh. exactly no yeah totally yeah, I could burn this place to the ground I mean that that you know that's the joke example but like yeah. I I well I oh, will yes, never say names but I have known people who who talk about that kind of stuff because we, we open there...
1: ourselves up to libel. If uh, you name names, yeah. so please don't. I
0: will never say a name. I will never, you can't make me. Uh, and, and again, I never thought those people were serious. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a stress relief mechanism. Right. And an understandable one. And woman, hopefully but, if you had you know, thought
1: they were serious, uh,
0: I would have actually said something yeah. to somebody. Yes, totally. Which is why I never did because it was like, no, this is never going to happen, but this right. person is relieving themselves of stress.
1: Yeah. Right now. Um. Yeah the the final sequence is obviously meant to be fantasy. I think.
0: Yeah. Well, right. Exactly. And so if you compare that, and that's not in black and white, but I think that's because it that is such. You know. Go ahead.
1: Sorry. Particularly, what makes me think is fantasy is the fact that uh, man, woman, and like child, they, everyone's... <laughs> Gets into the armory and starts to fight. Back, <laughs> right? kind of has guns and yeah. just, like
0: shoot, like the, like nuns are shooting and shit. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. It's it's actually like as a scene, it's pretty great. Yeah.
1: Um, and as like, as they... an idea of the uh, the stringent enforcement of class conduct, it is great. <laughs> yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. And I just I like the idea that like like you know it's a good scene. It, it really is. Like they just start like just. Look at everybody's in a. Suddenly, people are in uniform. You've yeah. got that. The one older lady who's just like firing the machine gun from the hip. It's yeah. great. No, it's the whole scene is. Is that meant to be the queen?
1: I don't know. There is. When they first Maybe. get into the chapel There's a during that celebration, show up. The, uh, the person hosting everything uh, says, Your Highness, as if he is greeting the yeah, actual queen. But I didn't does. see anyone who <coughs> seemed to be. Elizabeth no, in nineteen sixty. Kind of, so I don't know.
0: I I don't know. <clears throat> I,
1: I thought maybe
0: like he's just a like kind of weird old weird old man.
1: He was also just sort of nodding generally as if as if yeah. that might be part of the protocol is to acknowledge.
0: Could be there's dudes in armor for some yeah. fucking reason. Right.
1: Right. Uh, so, yeah, I wasn't real clear on on whether whether if anyone in that final scene was meant to be the Queen of England uh, participating right. in that, uh, you know, all the more satire if it is. Uh, but uh, but I was unclear on whether or not it was. And it seems like you were as well. So, yeah, uh,
0: the Your Highness, though, definitely caught me off guard. I was like, wait, what now?
1: Yeah. yeah right. Um but you know also also lending to that final sequence being a dream is that the girl shows up.
0: Shows up out of nowhere. Yeah, and yeah. shoots the guy. Like no, totally. Like it's a fantasy. I mean like I mean I didn't want to like outright say it is fantasy because the movie doesn't just straight up tell us it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't do, there's no like fucking weird like hazy right. outline or any nonsense like that. Um but you know and it's the only and it's not in black and white, but it's also much more visceral, so yeah. I don't know. I don't necessarily think the black and white's on purpose, but I kind of wonder in the same way that, like, a human being choosing air quotes at random is very rarely random. Yeah. So even if he didn't have a purposeful intention, I think the re- it, it, it can be very hard to tell because, A, that person's own personal inclinations will feed into the their air quotes random, but also human beings desire to identify patterns where there aren't any. Will also feed into that to create some sort of weird feedback loop. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, um, yeah. I wonder if we watch the other Micah Travis movies, if they would all uh-huh. work together uh, with, uh, with some sort of underlining meta narrative of Mick Travis being a just, uh, a very violent Walter Mitty. <laughs> I mean,
0: maybe, yeah, I mean, possibly. Like, they, where it is I, actually I, I all the
1: same character, but the reason that each of these stories doesn't seem like it's the same character is because 95% of the things recounted didn't happen. Or just, yeah, or just his imagination. Yeah, yeah it's
0: definitely possible. Uh, well, I mean, I don't know if we'll we ever watch those
1: other movies. We won't watch them I don't for really the Criterion question at least, so,
0: yeah. I didn't. I, this movie was pretty good. I don't really have any desire. I'm not, like, I'm not insanely driven to watch another movie featuring this character. Like, the movie's good in places, it's fine. Uh but like I'm not in love with this character. Yeah. Uh there's a lot of things about him I don't like. Um his we, like I, I you know, and part of that's just my getting out of university has led me to have a strong, strong distaste for dorm room philosophy. Right, right. I think And and the and also dorm room activism.
1: It is also, I think, impossible to objectively view this film in a post-Columbine world. True. True. Uh, Because, you know, this... The final sequence, literal or not, within the narrative of the film, is meant to be an act of revolution. Not just... Not an act of revenge, not an act of lashing out, but an act of revolution. And the way these characters are portrayed and the real-life examples, or at least real-life narratives built on real-life examples that we have, uh, suggests that it is a revenge to being bullied. And it's very hard to right. separate that ideology out.
0: Right, true. And and I mean, as a as a, well, you know, I mean... As a commentary on why revolutions happen and things like that, right. you know, um uh, with the idea that like if you're talking about revolutions as a as a whole, right, like I guess you know, you could apply a concept of bullying to the right. way groups you know, uh groups are treated it by is, right, right. The status but, quo but,
1: the status quo of British society in nineteen sixty eight is bullied. Is bullying right?
0: Exactly. Right. That's that's kind of where I was trying yeah. to get with that. And the and the thing about it is, though, is that the the problem we run into with this is the problem we run into with this is we're talking about it's it's a really this this the conversation that this movie generates is really fraught because we're talking about people in a position of privilege who are being bullied by other right. people yeah. in a higher position of privilege and their ultimate resort is is at least mentally is extreme violence. Right. I mean we we know it's not we're pretty sure it's not real, but like nonetheless it's like okay like it's disproportional in 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 the extreme, right? Right. Um and so it's it's a very weird. And it's really hard to watch it from you know and again times have changed. And so it's really hard to watch a bunch of middle class, uh, I probably even upper middle class, right, right, w- schoolboys, like treat what's happening to them as though it's the same thing that's happening in Vietnam, right. You know what I mean? That's like a kind of an upsetting position to come from mentally. It's a it's a weird position to hold in your head at, at any time,
1: right? Right. I thought a bit about like
0: th- these things are related. These things are similar. It's like, mm, are they though?
1: Yeah. I thought a little bit about Chavavien uh and uh you know the idea of uh of that uh Goddard film being a bit a bit of asking what's the role of the woke upper class of the of the woke bourgeois, <laughs> bourgeoisie uh you know these kids are are the bourgeoisie uh but they are revolutionary leaning but they're also teenagers. Like every teenager wants to rebel in some way, right? You know, right. Not every teenager. That's an overstatement. Well, yeah, but, but like I mean, a lot, right? Yeah.
0: And also, I mean, yes, exactly. And 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 what that has, t- like, at the same time, our our main character is saying things in his room, like, uh, talk. I mean, again, we get into very like deep, knee-deep in dorm room philosophy. But we've got, like, oh, well, war is the only kind of original act or something like that. And it's like he's kind of psyching
1: himself up for the idea that, like... Violence and revolution are the only pure acts, I believe is the actual quote. Yeah,
0: exactly. And it's like, well, that's a a bit of garbage
1: philosophy we've got going on there, but okay. One man can change Um, the world with a bullet in the right place. Right.
0: The, that one's it, at least maybe feeds, accurate. But, well, yes and no, right? Because we, we it feeds into a belief structure that a lot of people build about a lot of things. Yeah. That like, oh well had we killed Hitler, we would have never right, had Nazis. Right, right. That's not like no, that's no, you're systems, wrong. Like, systems the, the, are
1: bigger than individuals. Right. Yeah,
0: like I mean it would have been different, but it would have been something very similar to that. Like right. I mean, the things that drove you know, the things that led to Nazism would not suddenly go away because Hitler was Right. Dead. Right. Like, oh well, if Hitler had gotten into art school, you know, there would have been no Right you know, World War Two and, and like no, you're wrong. You're just wrong. That's a wrong way to think and, and it's a dangerous way to think, right? Because it right. it creates demons that can be slain. Right. As 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 people.
1: If they whereas if there's an accurate version of that statement, it might be one man can change the world with a billion dollars in the right place, but
0: but not not really a bullet. <laughs> no, yeah, no. It it you're not going to generate the sort of result that you think right. you're like, you know. And and it's a, it's so in that sense it's a stupid thing to think and it feeds but it feeds into
1: But it's a child's um, view of revolution and it trip. is a, that a is view trip. of revolution that uh that his history classes probably taught him.
0: Oh yeah, no, his history class is ridiculous. Yeah. Um
1: speaking of that uh that cafe scene and uh <sighs> the world we live in. Um <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Would you like to talk about the cafe scene? Where uh well, how if the entire cafe scene is a fantasy, it is a gross one yeah. and bad, but it is Better than it
1: being real. That uh, that particular portion of the cafe scene was not scripted. Uh, oh, Mc- that's McDowell. No, that's not good. McDowell had a crush on Noonan, and uh, and uh, suggested the th- scene to Lindsay Anderson uh, because he wanted to see Noonan naked. Uh, Chrissy Noonan, the actress who plays the girl who is just never named on screen. Uh, which is also not great, yeah. but whatever. Uh McDowell uh or Anderson rather uh uh accepted the idea on the condition that Malcolm McDowell had to ask Christine Noonan if she was okay with it. Uh and well, at least there's that. Yeah. So there is that. And uh That
0: that makes me feel a little bit better yeah, just yeah. because Last literally just last week we <laughs> right, talked about right, the right, idea right, of right, right, right. directors yeah. just imposing new like moving the goalposts right. on uh female yeah. actresses.
1: So McDowell claims her response was I don't mind. Quote. I don't mind. <laughs> What's a
0: real, real yeah. So it's just like I guess like <laughs> yeah. oh, man, what a response though. Right. Like that's honestly, if a woman says to you <laughs> or anybody, really anyone on earth says to you in response to I'd like to see you naked, I don't mind. They're not into it.
1: Right, right, right.
0: They might have other reasons why they're going to say yes, but they're not into it. Right. You should stop at that point and say, okay, let's not do that then. Yeah.
1: Maybe the easiest takeaway from the, the satire of this movie is one at just the uh, the emptiness of tradition and the, oh, yeah. the violence inherent to maintaining a status quo, uh, even as it has the surface appearance of peace.
0: Okay, so one of the things I don't like about this is that, but it actually tracks. It is actually quite prescient about the way that, like, for example, uh, anti-Vietnam War activism ended up working out as because anti-Vietnam War activism, for the not entirely, like, like I'm, I do not want to lump everybody into the same box here. Okay, a lot of anti-Vietnam War activism was directly related to the impact it was having on Americans. Mm-hmm. Okay, a lot of people, a lot of people did we're concerned about what was happening to vietnamese and cambodians and things like that right but a, a heavy concentration of it was people who were concerned about how it was affecting young american men and things like that um and and we see that because we can we can we can identify that path really clearly because as soon as the vietnam war ends a lot of those activist groups sort of just disperse despite the world still being a shit place <laughs> yeah where people are and and people ask you there there's statements made like what happened to all those people where how did we get the 80s if we had those sort of times before that and then there's other answers to that but a lot of it has to do not a, a good percentage of it has to do with the fact that like as soon as the the villain of the story is gone right a lot of people accept, well, the status quo was not so bad for us. Right. Like We can go back to that now that we're not going to get drafted and die right. somewhere overseas. We're we seeing, can seeing a be lot content. of the same
1: sentiments in activism in America today.
0: Right, exactly. Right. It's a very dangerous thing because yeah. it's like, well, we can be... We, being the people who are in a certain level of privilege, can be content with sending all the poor people off to die right we're okay with that that's the status quo yeah the problem is when it's when it's violating that in some way right and so we we see that sort of mirrored here to a certain extent in that their drive to activism is the way they're being treated by those above them right and and we know we know as an audience that the moment they become those people their desire for revolution is probably going to disappear right and that extends all the way down the line right like all those undergraduate you know i don't know what to call them like underclassmen the moment they're in the position that the top boys are in they will probably be exactly the fucking same
1: oh right those whips because haven't not been the driven whips to for revolution the last by like a desire years. to change
0: the world right yeah like they're not driven by a desire to change the world they're driven by a desire
1: to fix their circumstances right now and now it's now it's our turn to be the oppressor right and uh and then we move on to the real world or whatever yeah absolutely absolutely
0: so i just i i, I kept thinking about that during the movie and I i like but i can't hold it in my head for much longer so yeah now it's gone
1: right right that's um <laughs> yeah
0: well it makes it a nice it, it is one of the to me one of the more Poignant commentaries of this film, right? Because our, and I don't know if it's on purpose. Oh, it's kind of hard to tell. I think it is. Yeah, <laughs> I think it is. But until I see more of this guy, of this person's movies, right? I I won't uh, know a hundred percent. But like, it seems on purpose. And the idea that like you know, like pointing that out, I think is a valuable thing for a movie to do, right? To be like, ah, oh, you're only you're only a revolutionary so long as you're like you specifically are only a revolutionary so long as you're on the bottom. Uh, not saying that about everybody, but saying that especially about probably your sort of like you know your middle class,
1: right, right. And this This is, this is right? especially poignant at the uh, beginning of that si- <laughs> final sequence, you know, as all the pomp and circumstances happening, uh, and the uh, the general is going on and on about tradition, uh, even as the room is totally filled with smoke and people are already leaving to get clean air. Uh. He's still he's going still, on.
0: He's still going.
1: And then suddenly, suddenly, well, well into the emergency, shouts, "My God, we're on fire!" Yeah, you
0: know? yeah, no, it's great. It, it's real good. And then tries and then to immediately yeah. tries
1: to maintain God. order. Well, you, women yeah. and children first. Don't panic. Women and children first. Don't panic. Uh, as everyone is trying to get out of the building in unison. Right. Um, you know. And that, you know, you have the stiff upper lip Britishness, but it's the maintenance of of status quo. You know, it's it's right. that you know this the system has inevitably led to its own burning down and can't even see that it's falling Right, apart. and we'll
0: just keep it just right. wants to keep going. Right, like it's like it's like, and we're always seeing already seeing a little bit with the sort of modern capitalism, but like how. Late into the game people like those groups will be when yeah. they realize that like, oh, the climate's fucked. Right. Like beyond like it like the house is already on fire and they're like, Well, nobody panic. It's like, no, we're there now.
1: Right. Thank you. It's it's time. We've been there for a while now. It's been time to panic for for a decade yeah, or like so Like half
0: of us have already yeah. we're already a half of us trying to leave the building right. already. Okay, right. thank you very much. <laughs> Unfortunately, there is nowhere else to go.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, Elon Musk is going to offer indentured servitude to anyone who wants to get to <laughs> yeah, Mars. Yeah,
0: it's so. going uh, <laughs> um, to be uh weird overlord. That's going to be...
1: I'm
0: sure that's not going to end badly for anyone. Elon Musk um, of Mars. Honestly, here's what I will say. If he goes with them, I am 100% on board. <laughs> <laughs> that one month... That minimum one month delay between dealing with anything to do with Elon Musk will make everybody on Earth's life better, demonstrably, instantaneously. I mean, he is talking about a way to make the world a better place
1: by removing him from by removing
0: it. himself from it.
1: Uh, I suppose that's fair. <laughs> Let him go ruin. Marcus.
0: No, I mean, like the world will. Can you tell me it will not be a better place? <laughs> When this jackass isn't just doing random shit? I mean, can he take all the billionaires with him? Because I know what they think. They think it's going to be a, the movie Elysium. Yeah. But it is not going to be the movie Elysium <laughs>
1: <laughs> on Mars. What is that movie where the mall security robot attacks? Chopping mall? Chopping mall. What What oh, I, I, I really love want. Chopping mall. chopping mall is so good. <laughs> what I really want to happen. Uh is there a horror movie yet where the first Mars colony is just attacked by uh opportunity and and the uh, oh, that would be amazing. The, I was I was leaning towards, the Mars was rovers... leaning towards that. Uh,
0: that would be amazing if they just like <laughs> they gained sentience and now they were, they're out for blood. Yeah. Yeah. That's... You sent us to this hellscape to die, you motherfuckers.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I love it.
0: Wait, 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 okay. Uh, quick, TM, quick TM, TM, TM. TM, 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 TM. TM, We're making this movie. We can get funding for this shit in, in a day.
1: All right, all right. Anyway, uh, Elon Musk removes himself from society. That's good. Uh, yeah, I mean, opportunity you know. kills him, first chance it gets.
0: Um. <laughs> uh, I mean, the rocket's probably going to crash. Oh, well, they're only what their their success rate is not great for a thing that's going to have people. In it, okay, I mean that's fair, yes,
1: but it's still sad because there's a lot of there's a lot of desperate people who are going I to die. I kind of thought he would just go by himself. Honestly, if he goes by himself first, that's great. Like he, Let Elon like Musk, go and prepare a place for us, and
0: and we will join him in the afterlife. <laughs> yeah, of Mars. yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, you i don't know what percentage of this you're going to have to cut out, but we'll have no listeners <laughs> like from me making fun of Elon Musk. I'm it's leave all a, of a problem. This and it's fine.
1: Uh, anyway, um, so also on this DVD, uh, something we discovered uh, fairly late into our uh, our process God. this week uh, is a movie called Thursday's Children, a 1954 oh short documentary uh, that somehow. Here's here's the complete difference in the way the Oscars worked in 1954 to today. Uh, Thursday's Children did not have a distributor. No one would pick it up until it won an Oscar. Wow. Yeah. And then it got put out.
0: But also it won an Oscar in 1954. Yeah. Um, the problem with that being that we're right on the cusp of... The complete acceptance of ASL as a actual language, uh, in nineteen fifty five. Right. We are we are well beyond we're not well beyond, but we are pretty much done with the method of teaching that's being used in this movie right. by the time this movie is even made. So yeah, the film like what is happening on screen is archaic right. by the standards of the time it's being filmed.
1: Right. Uh, Richard Burton narrates this film. It is co-directed by Lindsay Anderson and uh, Guy Breton. Um, and it is about a uh, young children's deaf school. Uh, children under 10 years old um, being taught to lip read and to yeah, vocalize. oralism. Yeah. Uh, as opposed is, to any... A word I did not know yeah,
0: until I read about it.
1: Any variety of sign language. Um, and certainly... British sign language existed at the time and prior. Oh yeah, no,
0: uh, yeah. like sign, like the the literally American, like ASL is based off of the French school of sign language, which had been around for fully like at this point a hundred years. Right, right. And and was pre- had, and I don't know much about British because it's very hard to find any information about British um, teaching of deaf children. But like, it certainly would have. They would have known about that. That would have been a thing that someone had heard about.
1: Yeah. Uh what I what I said to Pat when I started watching this was that uh, the film seems to be made in earnest but it is uh, Oh yeah. pedagogically uh infuriating. I mean
0: in on in all sorts of different levels. <laughs> yeah. Uh pedagogically like uh is infuriating yeah. uh from a linguistic perspective is infuriating. Right. It's right. it's espousing a it's based on an idea that was had already pretty like had really severely fallen out of yeah. uh, favor already by the 1950s. The idea that like deaf children don't have a concept of the world, right? Because they don't speak they a don't spoken have the language. Yeah. What like, is the idea that they don't have What is a prayer to John?
1: What is a prayer to someone who doesn't know what a word is?
0: Right is a yeah. fucked up thing to say. The idea that that without the ability to to oralize words, right.
1: You have no internal life. Yeah. It's only.
0: Fucking madness. Yeah.
1: It's only through words that their minds can grow and reach out to the world. That like, is.
0: And they like. These kids can't read because society. Is, literally, the society they're in has decided not right. to teach them how to read. Right. And the reason. Like, as though somehow because they can't say a word, they can't connect right. symbols to, to ideas.
1: Right. I feel like you know occasionally criterion will just give us an example of someone's previous work or the first thing that they did that was yeah. that was famous if it was a short i feel like this this really does ideologically relate to if in that it is uh mm-hmm. the ma- maintenance of the status quo at the very much risk of the people our main characters, right? These children Right. These yeah. children are being forced into a box so that they can interact with the and I'll say it because Richard Burton says it multiple times, the real world, you know, the rest of yeah, us. Yeah, no, yeah, right? absolutely. That's
0: exactly what they they have decided that these children are not yet people.
1: Right. And also that a third of them will never be will never be people. Yeah. One in three it is. We'll never but the learn. The problem with real that speech. is,
0: is that, that you identified it legitimately and I think accurately as being in earnest. Yeah. Which makes me nervous about our director because this is literally only like not is only ten years before the right. movie we watched. Right. Like if if ten years prior to this he looked at a bunch of children who are basically being abused. <laughs> Now, I understand that, like, society is not telling you at this point that this is abuse, but nonetheless, you're watching a bunch of, like,
1: one-third success
0: rate is madness. What
1: happens to the other 66%, Pat?
0: Yes. What happens to these children? Like, Like, we're, like, you know and again we're we're really at the expiration date already of the idea right. that they don't possess internal lives that they don't they don't understand like they don't know what a baby is, they don't know what a fucking baby is right like what do you think they're doing like like it's oh God it's infuriating I can hear like i near i I did not have a headache before we watched that I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I have sorry. a horrible I'm headache so sorry. now like i- I literally couldn't unclench my teeth. <laughs> I... <laughs> for twenty minutes, right? right. I was just—I was sitting downstairs in my living room by myself. There's nobody else in the house. They're all in bed, like yelling at the TV. Yeah, I have probably never been so upset for this podcast <laughs> because, like, it's—it's it's somehow it being about children and everybody in the film just thinking they're helping these children. Right. It just makes it so desperately look how fun upsetting. these kids are it's having. Like,
1: a third of them yeah. will die alone
0: yeah and like look how much fun they're having being deprived of of, of self identity like yeah. being like the thing about it is like you know like it's like what like this guy john doesn't know what a baby is right. like john fucking knows right. what a baby is and it's is, being portrayed dude.
1: as uh as a bunch of you know the entire ideology behind this of us trying our best to integrate uh these kids in in, uh, but it's it's a bunch of people trying to mainline these kids in a way that any expert in their field at the time (laughs) would say yeah it's probably a bad idea
0: like i mean and one and it goes back to that thing right like no doubt this i mean okay i know i can tell you why this part of why this makes me so upset yeah Uh, It is based on the fact that, you know, a big thing that when you are studying about uh, English as a second language or English as a as a um, as another language is that uh, the idea that Americans fucking love this. Okay, by the way, this is a thing like is the idea that we ought to just immerse children into the language they need to learn with no support or bill in their native language. Yeah uh fucking Americans love this idea yeah immersion schools exist
1: too. everywhere too I think you know, you well, know, okay for English populations learning French in immersion school is
0: right, but there's a di- but immersion schools are different, yeah because immersion schools are built around the idea I'm not saying that immersion doesn't help, yeah okay like being being steeped in a language is stressful, but it can help you grow very quickly uh but you do need support structures. That help you do that s- s- in a in a smooth way. Um, immersion schools very rarely just fucking just chuck you into the deep end and say, "Well, only one and third one third of you will survive this; the rest of you will die." Yeah. Um, but Americans have adopted that practice with non-native English speakers in school quite extensively. Right. It's a thing that 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 people that a lot of, r- of racist assholes tout as the way we ought to be handling people who come to the United States without uh, the necessary English skills to survive in normal, like just mainline uh, English education systems. And the caveats that are given up to like the need of these students to be, you know, supported is like usually like a year or two years of of mixed classrooms where they go and they study in another language for a little while or something like that, or where they're provided with support. And they're like, well, two years is enough. And it's like, no, no, it's not. You're wrong. Uh, and this feels very similar to that. It's actually much worse than that, but it, it, in the sense that, like, this situation is, is the most extreme version of that. Yeah. Uh, but it is a viewpoint that, like, is part of what I, you know, studied in university. And, like, it does... It's pedagogically like insane, first of all, but it's also cruel it's deeply cruel to tell people that the way they want to communicate is wrong right that they are that they are bad because they don't communicate the way you want them to communicate is is fundamentally wrong, especially to children. I this movie this this twenty minute documentary broke me out <laughs> of like on a really deep level like I was I'm still upset like right
1: it is incredibly upsetting to see it. yeah and and yeah,
0: yeah. it's just it's bad. it's bad it's really really bad and like yeah it, it you know pedagogically at the time like. Rope memorization was still pretty standard right, for education. Right, like right. A lot of what's modern, going on is... is... A, mod- a lot of modern education systems had already emerged, but just hadn't gotten mainstream right. acceptance. Right. Uh So, like, her just doing a bunch of... Like, some of the activities are quite creative. Right. Uh But the problem is is that they're all based on the idea that these kids need to be fixed. That they're, there's something wrong with the way they are now. And that that's has to be changed.
1: The problem with all of this, you know, and, and earlier when I said that, that you know, uh, experts in their field, I mean researchers in their field, because the right, by yeah. and large and, the people and and the, like that, the yeah. people running these schools at the time are, are going to be this is going to be the common model, right? Yeah. Um but the the issue here is that they are trying to teach these kids and have a sixty six percent fail rate of teaching these kids to interact in the world the way a hearing person can interact with the world instead of giving them the tools to interact with the world the way they need to interact with the right. world. Right, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, we don't need to teach uh, a deaf person to vocalize in a way, well, you know, that I can go back and forth on that because, because, you know... Uh, because the general population is not good at learning sign language. Well, I mean, um, it,
0: it, well, you know, I totally I get where you are coming from. As, uh, a, as a teacher, but, th- this comes up a yeah. lot. You you get into a position where, like, what
1: students need and what they ought to have to learn right. are not always <laughs> right, the same right, thing. right, right, right. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, forcing these kids to vocalize in a way that is never—it's never going to work for them the way they right. need it to. It's a, it, like it's—it's
0: it's a nice like tool to have in the tool belt. Yeah, to be able to like break it out when you're like, "Well, this shit is just not yeah. going the way I want it to." Right. I will now vocalize because this asshole over here does not get what I is not right. is not working with me
1: here. And plenty um, plenty of deaf people communicate by vocalizing while while using sign language or yeah. or you know. It is it is an important aspect. But in a world where sign language exists, to not teach them sign language
0: is Right. In a world keep in mind, we're in again, in a world where a form of sign language that has been accepted in Europe existed for has existed for a hundred right. years, Adam. Right. Yeah. Is a fully formed like method of communication.
1: It is. You're like, nah, fuck it. What it all boils down to, and what my complaints here boil down to, is, is an attempt to uh, take people who are valid people, real human beings, but do not fit the mold of society, and instead of modifying society a modicum, it is to hack away. <laughs> At those people, right? Yeah, <laughs> to make and, them and, fit and try to make them fit yeah. into this into this shape, right?
0: And 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 that, well, that's exactly where I was kind of going right. with this, is because again, we get into this with ESL all the time, where it's it is good for for students to be able to communicate in the the dominant language of the country they're in, right? Like it is, it is good for the, it is good because it makes their lives better, uh, like and that again needs versus ought tos, right? Um, it makes their lives easier. That being said. <laughs> That being said, you, it, it's not good to invalidate the way that they right. do communicate. Right to to invalidate their personhood by saying, "Well, you're not a person essentially until you can communicate the way we want right. you to communicate." Which I know it doesn't seem like the same thing exactly, but the react this is very very similar to what happens to students who don't speak English when they arrive in the United oh, I'm States. Sure. Quite often, they are treated as though like they start they start preaching. Immersion to the extent of, like, don't use your native language at home and things like that, which is demonstrably wrong. Right. Like, and, and you know, there's limits to what can be done, but, like, nonetheless, you get, you get kids who are put, in, and there's a reason why the failure rate for that kind of education is also somewhere in the neighborhood of one-third. Right. Or uh, two-thirds, because people need support that accepts them as who they are while trying to teach them new skills, not trying to make them into a new
1: person. Right. Right. So, yeah, I went to college to be a teacher 10 years ago. And Pat is an active teacher who deals with not only teaching, but the, uh, the science of education in his day-to-day life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so this yeah. is us, uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is Dude. us losing our shit. Losing our uh, shit a bit <laughs> over over a thing that is that is very. God, bad. I hope we don't now, ever watch another two movies. No, I will say education. I will say I never I never actively teach, taught, I never actively taught. Um, no, I never actively taught. <laughs> uh, so so my experience in how to deal with uh, uh, students outside of the regular status quo is limited to a couple of classes, and with a primary focus on. Uh, Autism um and uh right, yeah, yeah, so so dealing with deaf students and what deaf students need and what they might want is not something I can speak to, certainly not natively, uh and not something I can speak to accurately. I am making a lot of assumptions in this conversation, and I apologize if I've misrepresented, uh but this feels wrong from what I know of teaching I, no,
0: yeah, anybody, anybody who's had any. Right. Like education in education can identify <clears throat> right.
1: what's happening here as
0: well, and anybody who has empathy for the idea that like people can be valid without being
1: what we consider air quotes normal, perhaps only saving grace is that this is twenty minutes long, so it's not it's not putting its ideas right next to each other so that you can see the true horror in the <laughs> ideas when they're put right next right. to each other because when you say. Only one in three of these students will learn, quote, real speech. And then later you say these kids are being saved from the worst enemy of the deaf, being alone, cut off in silence. You imply that two-thirds of the students we're seeing are going to die alone.
0: Right, yeah. (laughs) Which is also probably wrong i mean like if we're yes. being honest here like yes like it's it's also just them not knowing but what's you're also saying happened.
1: you're also saying that this this is the royal death school we are seeing what is accepted those two-thirds are acceptable losses
0: right exactly and and you know it, and what i find myself reacting to is that like the, when they say things like Lacks an internal, like you know, right, right, like right, right. When all they, those things where they're like talking about when like, they talk doesn't about doesn't know what being X able is to verbalize like words
1: as the only way to interact with the world. <laughs> yeah, that like is the idea wrong. that
0: like some kid <laughs> like doesn't have a concept of like God, yeah, because he's never heard the word God said out loud. Right, is fucking madness. Just the most bad shit in the Madness and we're talking is and is very out of now, date by now.
1: now there are points where, where the narration what we see happening does say uh, you know of course the kid knows what a doll is it doesn't know what the word doll means kid uh, doesn't the kid uh, well, needs to those bring those two ideas together often, but it doesn't do it really well and it, and like, right.
0: it, it, it it does not it does a very poor job of making that clear. Right. It a lot of times seems to mix right. up the idea of knowing what a thing is and knowing what th- with knowing what a thing a word is. Right. Like and then the, again, we get into this weird thing which I don't understand. I still don't understand why th- nobody thought they could teach these children how to read. <laughs> I I Well just they are they are kind of teaching the thing.
1: kids how to read too, right?
0: Yes, yes, but what I mean But we do is, never is that, see
1: them learning right. how to write, which is kind of weird.
0: Right. It's got to be part of so that, cons- right?
1: It's got to be part of that. I
0: guess so. Maybe they're just showing us a really like small segment of right. it, but they're like, he's learning what a baby is, and I'm like, okay, are you going to like... Because yeah. you're showing him words, so clearly you want him to be able to read those words, right? right? But if he can read them, yeah. isn't that even... In and of itself, enough. Right. If, like he can read them and write them. Like he's not isolated from the world. He can communicate with the world just because he can't say it. Right.
1: Right. It's 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 putting. Like, I'm like it's I mean, putting like, a lot to the process. What? Like like for for the dance, she holds up a card that says "danced," and uh, they need to rec- read the word "danced" and recognize that, that that pattern of letters is a description of a physical activity. And that's you know that's what you need to do with any kid when you're teaching them to read. And maybe, maybe the most infuriating thing is that this is this is a teacher who clearly cares, and the filmmakers are in earnest. And that's what's infuriating about it for me because they are people yeah. who clearly are invested in this idea as a good idea, and it's a bad idea. Yeah, it's just <laughs>
0: just obviously bad. Yeah, uh. like. And just, just no, So somewhere along the line, just no introspection. Now, of happening. course, I would,
1: I would rather these kids be at this school than at no school. Uh, I would, true, <laughs> right? I would rather these kids be at this school than any number of schools that purported to be death schools and were actually just, uh, <laughs> uh institutes of physical violence. Uh,
0: yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, yeah. It is it, it, in 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 a very simple sense you can identify this as a positive oh, yeah. thing because at least someone is trying to do something. But in
1: 1954 they should have known better. This
0: is yeah. this is very and it's like, yeah, this you know it's like, like
1: the it's times. Uh, this is like Coney 2012, right? It's it's uh, it's it's you know the filmmaker saw this, thought oh this is the this is the the thing that needs to be talked about and everyone needs to know about this. And then made it, but really, yeah. the ideas it's advocating are are ideas that anyone with any knowledge about the situation should know better, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and and the fact that you know there's a teacher, and here, it's probably someone... going to change like
0: right. literally within the next few no, years right. because like right. it's, it's that makes it even right. kind of almost makes it comical to a certain extent because like what we're watching is literally probably going to change in the next next five years. Right. Uh, but, because but, it's
1: so out of date yeah, but should have already be been changed <laughs> right. but it should have changed but like right.
0: so long ago yeah. yeah
1: yeah so yeah it's just you know
0: it's the it's sort of, it reminds me of some of these kind of document i've i've had to watch documentaries like that you know you have to like a, a fairly non-small part of my educational career has been watching documentaries right. like this uh usually more extensive than this but uh and it's always a little upsetting when you find one that's just so laughably just incorrect about basically everything that you're like, wow, just wow. Yeah. I don't even
1: know what what happened here. Right. Right. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> and where that relates back to if, you know, is... I'd like to think that maybe Anderson understands that this documentary and this mainlining of uh, students who need something very specific into the framework of a status quo education that is not offering that specific thing they need. Uh, that that is that is something if talks about, but in Thursday's Children, it seems viewed as a positive. <laughs> Uh, because the kids, because the kids we're talking about, uh, are forgotten and left aside and can be viewed paternalistically at best, uh, from, from mainline society. Whereas the kids in if, uh, could be great if society were allowed to them to be great. And that's, that's where it gets infuriating too, because if, if suggests that there is an escape, Thursday's children suggest that the status quo is actually right. And that is a problem inherent to so much liberalism that I encounter.
0: Right. And see, what that makes me worried about is the thing we talked about earlier. I am worried that Anderson does not actually, did not actually process the deeper message, which is, these revolutionaries will just be the oppressors right. when it's their right. turn. Right. Right.
1: I, I think we have uh, somehow managed to mostly talk oh. about the movie this episode. So We did a decent job, yeah. although we went very long. <laughs> we did.
0: We did. So you can just cut out a whole swath of things, I said. Right, right. Control. There's a
1: lot to cut out, I'm sure. This week we've been talking about If, directed by Lindsay Anderson from 1968, and uh, his earlier documentary... Uh, I keep saying Tuesdays, and his earlier documentary, Thursday's Children, from 1954, uh, both on the Criterion DVD for If. Uh, Next week, we will be talking about um, Pitfall, the first of a set of three films by Hiroshi Teshigahara, who is... So not about a, like, early computer game? No, no, I don't believe it's anything to do with the the, uh, the early computer game at all. Um this is a Japanese director we haven't seen anything from before I don't believe.
0: No it doesn't sound familiar. Yeah. I, he doesn't sound familiar. I have to I'm now going to that wikipedia page because I <laughs> literally have not checked with the next movie. Oh, well pitfalls a dangerous thing to just type in. I did get
1: the video game. <laughs> of course you did. Um I didn't know nope, about No, certainly not because it. the only uh, the only three releases currently in the Criterion collection
0: Holy crap, there's another pitfall film. <laughs>
1: The only three releases currently in the Criterion Collection are in this box set. Uh, though it is just announced uh, that he has a fourth film coming to the Criterion Collection that should be should be released next month. Actually, will probably be released by the time this uh, this airs. But yeah. So yeah, look forward to. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's
0: another nineteen sixties Japanese film, which are oftentimes quite right, interesting right. to watch. <clears throat> right. I'm always I'm always enjoying. I've found them almost always enjoyable. So. I. Uh,
1: yes i i usually find it good when the criterion collects me, <laughs> collection introduces me to a new director um so someone i haven't heard of before i'm at least excited about um but yeah so thank you once again for listening to lost and Criterion. i am as always the adam glass with me as always john patrick or and we'll see you next time mm. listening to Lost in Criterion, hosted by John Patrick Owatari-Dorgan and the Adam Glass, who edits it. We're a production of WithTwoBrains.com. Jonathan Hape does the music. Check him out at JonathanHape.Bandcamp.com. And hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and support us on Patreon. That's Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. We'd appreciate it.